Hello, this is Matt Slick from the Matt Slick Live podcast, where I defend the Christian faith and lay out our foundations of the truth of God's Word. Your chosen Truth Network podcast is starting in just a few seconds. Enjoy it, share it, but most of all, thank you for listening and for choosing the Truth Podcast Network. This is the Truth Network. Some people say a man is made out of mud. A poor man's made out of muscle and blood. Muscle and blood and skin and bones. A mind that's weak and a back that's strong. Welcome to the Christian Car Guy Radio Show. I say this calls for action, and now, nip it in the bud. Nip it in the bud. You got to nip it in the bud. It's wonderful. However, did you manage it? With tablets for paper and strings, you can have your own set of wings. With your feet on the ground, you're a bird in flight. Fist holding tight to the string of your kite. Oh, let's go fly a kite up to the highest height. Let's go fly a kite and send it soaring. Our natural inclination is to eat the red soup. <laughs> Despise our birthright and become a self-made man. So that's the longest title in the history of the Christian Car Guy show, but it's, I, I had to use all those words to get out what I feel like God wanted me to say. So yes, our natural inclination is to eat the red soup, despise our birthright, and become a self-made man. The story of Jacob and Esau, right? You may be familiar with it. But so Esau, you may or may not know, is synonymous with another word. It's Edom, which means red. All right? And it has a lot to do with red soup. And in all the different ways that that introduction spoke to this, you might heard Tennessee Ernie Ford singing 16 tons. And the fact that you're made out of mud. Well, mud in Hebrew, or the dust that God made you out of, is called Adama. It's spelled exactly the same thing as red. In fact, if you were to go to Israel and you would see their idea of the Red Cross, it's called Mogan David Adam, which means the shield of David that's red. <laughs> Adam. And so I don't know if you ever put it together that the name Adam, you know, Esau had the same name as actually his great, 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 however you want to put that, grandfather. <clears throat> Just pronounced a little differently. I don't know why, but nonetheless, it's spelled exactly the same. And so it's interesting that not only did he have the red name, but then he would lose his birth rate right by eating the red soup. And so in Genesis 25, we get a good description of Esau and Jacob. And so as we just ponder these questions, the questions that I'm asking today on the Christian Car Guy show is, so what is your birthright? 
And how would you or how could you despise it? And what does the red soup really symbolize, right? So those are questions I'm, we're going to ponder, and hopefully you can see your own story and how this comes to life, and we're going to talk about that. I've got my good friend Bill Mixon, our Christian insurance guy with us. Good morning. And he's dressed in somewhat red this morning. It's, it's, it's more, I don't know, what color would you call L- that? Coral? Lentil. Lentil. <laughs> Lentil soup. That's, there you go, there you go. So, you know, I think it's amazing. If I were to, you know, just... Go back and, and, and picture Jacob and Esau. Here's, here's what I think is, is true. Esau would drive a red Corvette, okay? He just would. <laughs> because it says that Esau, he was a cunning hunter. Now, maybe you've met some cunning hunters in your life. Have you met some? I, I think he had a four-by-four Revved up with a gun rack in the back. Uh, you're right. It's probably, yeah, the red. But it was red, I'm sure, whatever it was. Yeah, I like I don't that. Know. I, I think he had something that blended in when he went hunting. And it says Jacob was a plain man, which actually means complete. He didn't have anything to prove. He was a plain man, and he hung out among the tents. All right? He was a homeboy. <laughs> <laughs> he liked to stay at home, which interestingly, Habakkuk would tell us has to do with people that are righteous, have a tendency to stay at home. But when you look at those two, again, getting back to the main question that I'm asking here, it's just like, what is the birthright? What did it symbolize that when Jacob offered Esau this red soup? So interestingly, when you look at the word soup, is translated, it is also pronounced Adam, all right? So it was Adam, Adam. That's what Jacob said and what Esau said. I want to I eat your Adam, Adam. So to go into that for a minute, to kind of get that handled, it's really cool to me that, you know, the idea of red is, is very much connected to the dust. I don't know if, especially if you live in Georgia or in this part of North Carolina, a lot of the dirt looks red. Why does it look red? Because it has iron in it. Okay. And that's really significant to know that there's iron in this particular clay. You might see that prophesied later on (laughs) in the book of Daniel. Okay. But in Obadiah is a very, very famous red man. Okay. And the reason why he's a very, very famous red man is Obadiah is the shortest book in the, in the Old Testament, and it's really significant to all of us, and especially your birthright, and here's why. That Obadiah, according to, well, there's no doubt, when you read the book of Obadiah, it's all about prophesying what's going to happen to Edom, okay? But what's a neat little thing to know is that Obadiah, according to the Jews, and the Talmud's very specific, Obadiah was a convert. He was from Edom. And so he himself, in fact, the Jews put it this way, that he was the axe handle that would actually cut down the forest, right? He came out of the forest in order to cut it down because if you read the, the prophecies of, of Obadiah, he's going to talk about that what's going to happen to Edom. And interestingly, you know, the Jews... You know, they lost that first temple. You know, that Nebuchadnezzar came and did that. Well, you may know that the Edomites helped plunder the first temple. Well, what you may not know, and the Jews have this documented very carefully, is that the Edomites then went and populated a place up in Italy called Rome. 
And so Rome is very much connected to the idea of red. If you ever look at a, a Roman flag, you'll note that it is red as it can be. And it also, right, it has these word letters on it that were an S, a P, a Q, and an R, which had to do with the Senate Publicus of Rome. In other words, this was a, a country of the people, so to speak. In fact, you could almost say it was the People's Republic of Rome, <laughs> whose flag is also, you know, that red flag is kind of a red flag. It throws up a red flag, you know, just saying. <laughs> and I could mention other red flags, but the red flag I'm trying to throw up actually is the red flag in your own life. Because the idea of eating the red soup is that is ground, okay? It, it, it was like Adam means because God was, I mean, man was made from the, from the ground and the ground was cursed. And so when, when Esau ate this red soup, he was eating the curse. And what is the curse? Well, the curse is that you would be self-centered, self-made. You're going to do this on your own. You're going to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. All those ideas are really like scary and they're all connected to this idea of red, and they're all connected to this idea of the ground. And, and you can't help but see it when you, when you begin to look into the American dream, <laughs> right? Is you're going to be independent. You're going to be self-sufficient. You're going to make a name for yourself. All these different things. What did that look like in your life, right? That's, that's the red flag I'm trying to throw up right this minute, right? I'm trying to say, okay... If that's the case, when did I eat the red soup and how did I despise my birthright? Because Jacob sat in his tent and realized all this stuff. He didn't have to go out and hunt like crazy because guess what was coming to him? His parents were sons. It was his, his dad was the son of Abraham, right? And Abraham had all the promises. And, and so if you... Right? As Paul says, if, if you become a Christian, you accept Christ. What's your birthright, Bill? Well, you're a child of God. God looks after you if you do the right things. Right. And, and so you're going to inherit everything. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have to work, but you get, you get an opportunity to serve because princes serve, right? They serve their people. They serve all over the place but they don't have to earn their keep. And, and it's a big, huge difference between, you know, Jacob again did a great job shepherding the flock because he was a shepherd, right? <laughs> but he, he wasn't about trying to earn a name for himself. And so what does that look like in your life when you drank or when you ate the red soup? I can tell you what it looked like in mine. When we come back, I would love to hear your story. And maybe what kind of color car you have. <laughs> I'm not trying to offend anybody. Just throwing up a few red flags this morning. 866-348-7884. 866-34-TRUTH. We'll be right back with much more. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. People say a man is made out of mud. A poor man's made out of muscle and blood. Oh, 
Our natural inclination is to eat the red soup and despise our birthright and become a self-made man. I know that's a long title this morning, but it says what I've been, I guess God put on my heart to discuss this morning. And so you may wonder, Robbie, why did you finish the intro with Let's Go Fly a Kite? Because the movie, Mary Poppins, Mr. Banks had definitely drank the red pottage. I mean, he'd been eating it. I mean, he was all about making a name for himself at the bank and all that he was doing. But when he dropped all that stuff, right, and, and got in a big fight with Dick Van Dyke, at the, you know, it's quite a story. But anyway, at the end, he turns and he ends up like Jacob and he turns back towards his family and he just relies on his birthright to, to hang out with his family and go fly a kite. And guess what happens? He ends up with all that stuff back, but he didn't have to earn any of it because it was originally just his birthright. And so the idea of just flying a kite is interestingly having a string to heaven. <laughs> if, if you think about it, it's really cool up where the air is clear. Right. And, and so he's gotten a good look at his own life with the help of, you know, Chim Chimney and several other Mary Poppins and several other people to show him the value of family and birthright over, you know, earning his way uh, into making a name for himself and all those kind of things. And I wish everybody could sit here like I do and watch Bill's expressions when I talk. Because <laughs> <laughs> Bill always looks at me like I am the craziest, you know, and, and yesterday, right, I get this text from Bill that says, Robbie, what's the topic tomorrow? And so I would love to know what the look on your face was when I told you red soup. <laughs> well, I'm used to it. It's been many years of asking those questions and scratching my head. Uh, you know, I come at this from a different angle. I don't know that I'd end up that different than you, but throughout history, there have been young ladies who have had relations with more than one gentleman, and two different children popped out, and it was obvious that one came from one father and one didn't. And we've got a young man that pops out hairy and red that obviously didn't look anything like his father or his brother. And I just wonder all the rumors and all the things that would have been said about his mother and him. And then it says that yeah, he doesn't go and take care of the sheep. He does an extremely good job going into the wood and hunting and bringing back food for the camp and that he was very good at it. So he spent a great deal of time away from all the other people he grew up with. And I, you know, I just imagine that the last thing he wanted to do was to be in charge of a bunch of people that were whispering behind his back and a bunch of people that didn't want to do what he wanted to do and that he looked for an opportunity to give away that birthright and was really glad it came and did it in a really weird way that made it really obvious that, yeah, I don't want this. This is not something. Maybe you can do a much better job leading all these people that you spend all your time with, and I can keep going into the woods and hunting in my great big red truck with a gun rack in the back. Yeah, which gets to the, the idea of what's your story, right? Like, how did that play out however it played out in your life? Uh, in my case, you know, my father was a very successful car man. 
in, in lots of ways. He climbed the ladder at Buick Motor Division. And he had great expectations for his son in the car business, I can just tell you. And being the older brother, which is funny, because when you compare the two brothers, me and my little brother, we actually have talked about this all week, how I ended up so much more like Esau and he ended up so much more like Jacob from a standpoint of Mark loves to stay at home with his family, always have. And, and Mark has always traded family over career, always. And Mark's done fine. And Mark loves his family. And Mark really, really has always done those things. Me, on the other hand, I had much to prove, like Esau. I, I, I was my father's son. From that standpoint, obviously, Isaac liked his father. Isaac liked his son being a hunter. And certainly, my father liked me being in the car business. And, he, he, and it was all about making a name for you know, yourself. You got you to gotta go do that. And so as a result, just to show you what happened in my life, I, by the time I met, met, met Tammy, I had moved 33 times in 31 years. In other words, and if you want to know where I lived, I lived in California, Colorado, New Mexico. I was born in Idaho. I lived in Michigan, Illinois, um, obviously North Carolina and Georgia. And, and I just lived all over the place. Not, you know, not like he moved across town. <laughs> you know, I moved across the country all over the place. Why? Because, you know, you're in search of. And, and, and certainly people would say he was a man of the field. Obviously, I had been all over the place. But interestingly, after I came to Christ, true story. I, I moved to Winston-Salem shortly thereafter, and I've stayed here for now almost the same 33 years. As I am going to, I am 67. So actually, I've been here 34, and I'd, and I'd moved 33 times before I got here. Now, why? You ended up right next to heaven. I mean, we well, yeah. Salem is right next to heaven. <laughs> and so what happens when you move a lot, Bill? You know how many friends I actually had? Yeah, you'd be running from them. <laughs> right. I you didn't, didn't want to make new ones. Right. I, I knew people in the car business and I knew whatever, but I didn't, I, you know, I was completely isolated, completely on my own. Exactly, obviously, where Satan would really like me to be, <laughs> you know, because it's not good for man to be alone, especially when it comes to family, like your own family. So here's what happened to my father's family. I mean, I can see it, but we're closer than ever, I will say today, because we've all grown in the Lord greatly over the last couple, three years. But I have a sister in Michigan, a sister in Illinois. My brother lives in Tennessee, but he used to live in New Mexico. And so, you know, we were pretty much spread across the whole country, uh, which doesn't make for, you know, a lot of family picnics. Just saying. We're beautifully in my own family now. My son lives in Winston-Salem. My daughter lives in Winston-Salem. And my third daughter just moved back to Winston-Salem. How cool is that? And so what does that look like in your life? I would love to know how you uh, ate the red soup, ate or threw up the red flag, 866-348-7884, 866-34-TRUTH. We'll be right back. And we do have some insurance stuff for you that we're going to talk about. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. People say a man is made out of mud. A poor man's made out of muscle and blood. In the days we swear, out on the streets of a runaway American dream. Oh, 
So our natural inclination is to eat the red soup, despise our birthright, and become a self-made man, or to go make a name for ourselves. You know, how does that work out in your life exactly? I would love to hear the story. 866-348-7884, 866-34-TRUTH. You know, unfortunately, you know, some people do this in church, right? They're going to make a name for themselves. Well, I just came back from the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, which I get to do every year. It's very, very exciting, Bill. It is. But it's interesting, you know, media draws people that want to make a name for themselves. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. And my one of my neat things I get to do, and I publish these every you know year on my podcast, is I interview, actually I interviewed 49 different ministries that wanted, you know, time on our radio station or whatever. And so all these people are there. And I, f- I find out some fascinating, beautiful things. But occasionally, there's somebody who, quite honestly, they're striving. You can sense it that the, that this isn't about serving God and being in the, you know in their birthright. That they're they're really trying to make a name for themselves. You believe that, Bill? You're looking mm-hmm. at me like, I'm uh, not, yeah, I'm sure this. <laughs> anybody wants to be on the radio has got to have a little bit of that in it. <laughs> Yeah, including me, and therein lies the whole, you know, the whole deal. Um, and and you know, one of the traps of eating the red, eating the red soup, you know, pottage, whatever you want to call it. But meanwhile, we do want to talk about insurance for a minute, okay? Because one of the things that happened when I was in Florida last week, unfortunately, as we were leaving town on Memorial Day, apparently some people were more all of them on their way to Disney except us. We were on our way out of town. And we had stopped quite clearly, you know, just on the, you know, as the traffic had stopped and as we were stopped, all of a sudden, you know, Tammy and I just get slammed. This car slams into the back of our car. Fortunately, the car was drivable, but then the car behind it slammed into it. And then that car caused the car that hit us the first time to hit us the second time. And so it would seem if, you know, it was like, wait a minute now, I've, I've, I've got, two people's insurance company. And clearly I don't see how I was at fault in this whatsoever, but guess what? It isn't so easy once you get back to North Carolina to get these things straight. And, you know, I'm, I'm hearing different things from Ray's body shop. My, my good friend, Jerry, he said, Robbie, if you can get one of these other insurance companies to help you, you know, you won't have to pay the deductible. You'll get a rent a car. Life will be good. And so he was very much in favor of that. However, Bill, like if again, I wish you could see all the look here. look in his face. I, like, man, he's got. Uh, the first thing I, I would like, say I to you that I said for many, many, many years is you really need to buy insurance from an agent you can sit down across the table from and not from a 1-800 number and let the agent make some phone calls. Your complicating factors are this happened in Florida, and Florida's a very screwy insurance state. They've got two different liability policies. They've got a quasi- What what does that mean, they have two different liability policies? There's one liability policy that acts one way, and then there's a really no-bones cut-rate liability policy that acts in a different way. It was a way to come up with a less expensive plan for people that couldn't afford insurance. So you've got that, then you've got this aspect of no fault 
where it's not an actual no-fault state, but it's a quasi-no-fault state. But basically, if if you have any responsibility, if they say you shouldn't have slammed on your brakes there or you, you excessively slammed on your brakes and you didn't give the people behind you enough room to stop, that you own just a slightly small portion of the accident. Where in North Carolina, the law is whoever you're following, the followers got all the responsibility to leave enough room between them and anybody in front of them. You, you've got traffic laws involved. Um, I, I In the North Carolina policy, you've got the responsibility that you either own settling the claim all yourself and you turn your insurance off, or you turn over all the decision-making to your insurance company, and you've got to have their permission to do anything that Jerry's saying. The world that I grew up in, the college I studied insurance in, I don't see how you do what Jerry's saying without endangering your coverage. But Lord knows things are different with different companies. Um once again, I would try to get hold of somebody at your company, whether it's your adjuster or his boss, that sounds like they want to work for you and answer some really good questions because they've got to communicate with somebody that knows Florida law. And the their court cases, your policy says one thing. There are laws in the state of North Carolina called general statutes that supersede your policy. So even though the policy says one thing, it may be settled a different way. Then you got judges that have come in and interpreted the general statutes. So there's case law. So there's circum circumstances where it sure looks like it should be handled one way, but some judge has said under these certain circumstances, it should be handled a slightly different way. So as you can tell, if you're listening to this and you just listen to what Jerry said versus what Bill said, both wonderful Christian counselors, you couldn't help but feel like you're you've, lost. you've experienced Babylon, <laughs> right? The confusion yeah. of like, Oh my goodness, what do I do in this particular circumstances? And the good news is um, I have a third counselor that I'm relying on. <laughs> and so I have wonderful counsel. And, and so I am actually going to take some of your advice and go back to um, Progressive and get in touch with mine. And if I need to, her supervisor to see you know, where they progressed. But nonetheless, the good news is I'm going to follow up on this story, Bill. And so in future episodes of Christian Car Guy, you will find out how it actually plays out because at this point in time, it's a mess. I can't believe it's a mess. It seemed a simple cut and dried situation. Well, I the, good news, the great news is Tammy and I are fine, completely fine. Nobody was hurt. The car was drivable. We got back. The car's going to get fixed. And it, everything's going to be okay, Bill. I got a dear friend that's in the same situation, but he had has had back surgery because of it, and yeah, you know, it it don't it, work. Oh, it, it the the numbers are huge because there was a lot of physical damage, and in that case, the nationwide adjuster actually said, "I'd highly recommend that you get an attorney to be able to unpeel the onion with." But you don't have enough money involved with this where that same logic comes into play. Peel the onion. Meanwhile, we have Ann Alt calling in Charlotte. So, Ann, you're on the Christian Car Guy Show. Good morning, my friend. Good morning. I Boy, my mind's in a maze right now. And that's the word that came to me, and I'm going to try to re just give the thoughts really fast. 
uh, as to what came to me as you were talking, Robbie, with this incredible maze. The word came to me about maze, which is confusing network of paths. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and what also came was finding God's path for ourselves in the maze. You know, as you as you were just throwing out all of this marvelous stuff, you know, and your mind is unleashed, <laughs> finding the path in the maze, and uh, and then haze came to me, uh, you know, the haze in the maze. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, and the 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 haze is the mist of fog, smoke, vagueness initiates someone in a humiliating way. And the next word is, is, ironically, when I looked up haze and maize and all that, is uh, uh, a hazelnut tree bearing small nut, reddish-brown. <laughs> it's just like I loved it. I could see God just talking to me the way he's been talking to you in terms of just bits and pieces, and that's the way it is for me. The All of the what you shared was... You know, again, finding God's path for ourselves in the maze and the haze in the maze. So I just thought I would <laughs> throw that at you and share what I... It's a marvelous, marvelous thing that you've given people to to explore their own path and to, you know, and the, that it's worth the effort to find our path the Lord has for us in the maze. And that's what's come to me. You know, uh, I love that Mr. Banks, you know, eat uh, the red soup and fly the kite kite up where the air is clear. And Mary Poppins, it was that way. It was finding God's path for Mr. Banks in the in the in the maze, you know. No, and that the the story, the history of that, too, Anne, was that Walt Disney himself. Yes. Right. Had this whole he had to prove himself thing. And. He saw himself in that story, which is the reason he worked so hard to get it from the lady. I can't remember her name, but the movie Saving Mr. Banks shared that story of how her passion was, you know, this was her dad, the lady that wrote Mary Poppins. And so she saw him trapped in the red soup. Wow. Well, stay with me. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. People say a man is made out of mud. A poor man's made out of muscle and blood. In the days when out on the streets of a runaway American dream. Oh, let's go fly a kite up to the highest height. Let's go fly a kite and send it. So our natural inclination is to eat the red soup, despise our birthright, become a self-made <laughs> man, make a name for yourself today on the Christian Car Guy. We're hoping to nip that in the bud. That's what we're attempting to talk about here. I got my good friend Ann Alt with me. Ann, you're still with us? I am. And can I just give you one more thought that came to me off the phone? I mean, when I Please. was waiting. Yes. Oh, joy. Um, you know, again, what came to me was May's confusing network of 
past, and I think that that's what happened with Mr. Banks as well. And it's worth the effort to find God's path uh, that the, the Lord has for us in the maze. And when did we eat the red soup and the constant choices to choose God's path? Mr. Banks was captivated by the red soup but ultimately liberated, and he laughed at his liberty to go fly a kite in the highest height. Isn't that beautiful? And, and my uh, producer, Christian, came in and shared with me. It was P.L. Travis was the name of the lady that oh, right. Walt, Walt Disney, um, who wrote, you know, Mary Poppins, and the right. tragic story of her father, who obviously lived that life. And, and, and my father, in his own way, you know, chased that, dream or whatever it is of being self-made and and so it there you know there's generational things that are involved in that but how cool that like you said god um comes in and and shares how amazing it is just what you know i don't i've, I've been thinking about this all week because i get to marry my youngest daughter here in two weeks and, and so i get to i get to actually officiate that Anne. And, and so I get a chance to do this talk, and I've been. Th- and God has just hit me with this idea: it's not good that man be alone, right? And the the fact that marriage not only do you have a wife, but you get a family. Yeah. And you know, and I know in your case, how important are your brothers and sisters, and your nieces, and your nephews? In other words, it's not just your own kids it's it's a whole big deal like you got all these people that you truly are related to yes and that you're really not alone no praise god (laughs) right and so if if it hadn't been for uh i guess uh isaac and rebecca you know then jacob and esau wouldn't have had the whole family right right and and satan did everything he could to separate that group you know, clearly they were spread out, unfortunately, um, and would be spread out, unfortunately, for all time because Esau and Jacob are not doing real well right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I know, and it and it hits you, doesn't it? I mean, when you have those those upsetting times with your family, it, it really, really, it upsets you more than just about anything else. Right, and the, you know the curse is clear, and all that comes in, so. But I know um, how dear your family has always been to you. And, and so I'm so glad you called in today because, you know, I know we're still working through the loss of your brother. Yeah. And, and um, you know, the, the... But it's also so exciting because talk about climbing, you know, the, the flying a t- uh, kite in the highest height. I sometimes say, Robbie... Richard, what are you, you know, it touches me, but Rich, what are you seeing now? I know he's in heaven, but what does that mean, the highest height? You know, uh-huh. what, what's he experiencing? What is he seeing? I, that, that, makes, that takes away the sorrow. That's the hope. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Anne. God bless you. I appreciate you calling in so much. Oh, yeah. God bless you. I've loved what you've been sharing. I've been taking copious notes. God bless all of you guys, Bill, too. And uh, and let's go fly a kite to the highest height. <laughs> yeah, then let's do it. Thanks, Ann. God bless. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. God bless you. So a couple other little details we really need to um, bring out. I, I, You know, Adam, my, my attorney, who I talk to also about this, I'm blessed with many counselors, as, you know, Adam actually and Bill are good friends. 
And he said, Robbie, when you're in an accident, especially in Florida, but in other states that are no-fault states like that or sim- similar to no-fault states, it is critical that you don't offer any information to the police officer that you don't have to. That's true, the adjuster, too. It's good to write down what you plan to say ahead of time and read it a couple times. And if you got a chance to call your agent and go over it first, but to write it down and make sure that you're conveying exactly what you want to convey, just the facts. Right, because if you say, and, and what his example was, what Adam told me, he said, you know, if you say to the policeman, well, you know, I'm not sure whether I had my signal. I think I had my signal on. You just said, I think you had your signal on. So are you sure you had your signal on? As soon as you, you use that word, I think, then all of a sudden you fit under the 1% category. And if it's a huge liability claim, like your friend that has the back surgery and all that stuff, I mean, there's gigantic amount of money that, that hangs in the balance of all that, right? Be honest and succinct. Honest and succinct. Don't offer any information that uh, you're not asked to. Yeah, and so, you know, that's the, the way to dispel confusion. When you think about it, it's really cool. The word Babylon <laughs> means confusion. <laughs> What's the solution for confusion? The truth, okay? It just is, ultimately. You know, if you don't want to eat the red soup, try drinking a lot of the truth, okay? And where do you get that? The Bible. Because the more Bible you get, the less confusion you got, Right? Well, you got to get it clear in your head. And a lot of times people start talking before it's clear in their head. And that causes all kinds of problems. You know me too well. There you go. Well, (laughs) you you can listen to four people involved in the exact same accident and be pretty convinced that there was four different states. It's uh, bizarre when people just start running off and the extraneous things that they throw in. And then they start believing what wasn't true to begin with. Right. Exactly. That, that, that's why it's, you know, I like the idea of write it down. Before, you know, you, you, we actually had a few minutes, and if you're like most states, you know, the police don't show up the very second, right? And, and so you got time to think through and write down, you know, what you saw, what you have. And the nice thing is today we all have devices, right? And they all have little note things on them, and you can just sit there and type in, you know, what you, what you recall, as soon as you could recall it, exactly what happened and what you thought and think about what the police officer is probably likely going to say and what you likely should answer to make sure that, A, it's truthful, but by the same token, clear and concise. So you don't confuse him and you simply give him the truth. You also can say, I want to be absolutely sure I remember what I told you, so I'm going to read you what I wrote down. And then you read what you wrote down, and then afterwards you know exactly what you said. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because you have it written down. Well said. It's like you know this stuff. You, you oh, lift well, it. I, I, it's amazing the spaghetti that I've had to untwine between a client and an adjuster <laughs> just because they weren't speaking clearly. So it's not just the police officer, it's the adjuster as well. Oh, yes. Whatever you, when you call your insurance company and you articulate what happened, you paint a picture in the adjuster's mind. And to change the picture that they painted based on what you said in your initial statement is almost impossible. So you, you want to be very crisp and clear and articulate when you report the claim to the insurance company because the first thing that happens is your adjuster reads that before they call you and make the initial uh, contact. 
Well, there you go. Well, I am so grateful for all of you listening today. It really, really, it, it blesses me no end. I thank you so much, all the radio stations that carry this show. Uh, again, we're hoping that all of us will do better to, you know, stay at home like Jacob and be plain, go for the plain vanilla when possible and not try to become self-made. I mean, you simply stay connected to the kite, you know, with that string that's in your hand. That And some of us need to let our spouses drive. Yeah, that. <laughs> Very funny. I was stopped, Bill. I Look, was just stopped. We, we go through a history of your accidents, you know. <laughs> anyway, thank you all for listening. Remember, slow down. Jesus walked everywhere he went. Got all done in 33 years. But don't come to a complete stop because most of you might slam into you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This is the Truth Network.